Well, good morning. Good morning, Shore. Roland, Jill, thank you. So good. We're, we're made to worship and just thinking of Jesus' face. That was so powerful. Uh, well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year 2021. I'm very excited. Uh, I love New Year's. I love new expectations. I love new dreams, new hopes, new goals. Uh, and you know what, I can't think of a better way to start off the new year than jumping back into 2 Corinthians. We're talking today about a call toward holiness. So uh, if you have a phone with you or your Bible, uh, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're picking it up where we left off back in December with verse 14. As you turn there, let me just say a few things. Uh, we are expecting and hoping uh, Lord willing that on January 8th we'll hear from Bonnie Henry and we'll be able to regather again. If that's the case, uh, you will hear from us on Friday uh, and we will go right back to 9 and 11.15. Uh, Lord willing, this coming Sunday. If not, you still get this joy to be together through video. But uh, also want to let you know community groups are the place where we, we do one-on-one -on -one life. Right now, most of it, all of it is on Zoom. But encourage you, maybe you tuned in, maybe someone sent you a Christmas Eve uh, link to the invite, and you're, you're wanting that community. You can tell that you just want to be with others who believe this, or you want to ask more questions. Uh, I encourage you, we'll have a community group page banner up. Uh, just go there, get plugged in. They're still on Zoom. We have women's Bible studies started. I know the men are doing something, kicking off something soon. So just stay tuned. We'll give you more information as we go. But excited for January. Kids are back to school tomorrow. Woo! Right? Parents are excited. I'm excited. Okay. Let's get into it. I'm not sure what comes into your mind when uh, you, when you think of being holy. Or, you know, when someone says pursuing holiness. Uh, but my goal for this morning from this text is to make holiness, to make pursuing holy, being holy, a sweet thing, a, a passion of yours as you go into 2021, a love for being his, a love for being devoted, a love for being pure, a, a love for wanting to cleanse ourselves from sins, to love holiness. Now, to help us maybe kind of prime the pump, so to say, uh, I found some quotes from some really, uh, you know, 17th century, 18th century uh, theologians. By the way, I encourage you, if you ever get a chance, uh, John Piper wrote a book called 21 Servants of Sovereign Joy, where he walks through 21 missionaries from, from Augustine all the way till, you know, recent missionaries. So anyway, so here's some, here's some quotes on holiness that I think will just get us excited because that's my goal. So here's what David Brainerd says. He says, of late, God has been pleased to keep my soul hungry almost continually. That's a good sentence. So that I have been filled with a kind of pleasing pain. When I really enjoy God, I feel my desires of him the more insatiable and my thirstings after holiness more unquenchable. Uh, Thomas Brooks, he's a Puritan, 16th century, he wrote this, man's holiness is now his greatest happiness. And in heaven, man's greatest happiness will be his perfect holiness. Okay, lastly, this is my favorite. Listen to the words of Jonathan Edwards. Here's what he says. Holiness appeared to me to be of a sweet, pleasant, charming, serene, calm nature, 
which brought an expressible purity, brightness, peacefulness, and ravishment to the soul. In other words, that it made the soul like a field or garden of God with all manner of pleasant flowers. Holiness. It's a calm nature which brought an inexpressible purity, brightness, peacefulness. All right, so I want us to love holiness. Let's pick up our Bible. I'm going to read our passage, then we will pray, and then we'll get into it. So picking it up, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. If you're brand new, we just go through books of the Bible. We love to study verse by verse, and so that's what we're doing. Verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will come, I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let me pray. Father, just thank you for those who are listening. I just, I pray as we just pause here to uh, hear from you and meet with you in your word where you speak so clearly, you love us so deeply. I pray that, uh, Lord, you would just reshape holiness help us to see it as you see it as you're holy and so i pray you'd help me holy spirit to teach i pray god you would hallow your name lord i i just i pray i know some don't love new year some have had the hardest few weeks of their lives and what we need is your presence in your word what we need is you to come into and through these screens of, of our lives right now and speak to us. And we ask for the supernatural healing and power and transforming grace of God. Would you just release your love, release your grace, release your power as we hear your word, which is living and active. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd use these gifts that you've given me in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. To guide our time, uh, I want to look at three questions. Number one, how should we understand holiness? How should we, you know, get, what, what does that mean practically for us when it relates to the church? And number two, why is holiness important? You know, I want us to love it. Why is it important? What does the passage teach us about that? And what role do I play? What role do you play? What role does the church play uh, in bringing holiness, which is what he's calling us to in this passage, to completion? What role do we have? So uh, how should we understand it? Why it's important? 
And what role do we play? So how do we understand the role uh, of holiness as it relates to us in the life of a believer? Well, let me just say this. When it comes to the topic of holiness, uh, you want to think in two categories. You want to think first positional holiness. Think identity, who you are. And then you want to think in becoming holy. Becoming who you already are, becoming more like Jesus, that's what theologians call sanctification, where you're, where you're being transformed and you're being formed into someone who's beautiful, holy, other, separate, devoted, being like God. In fact, the word holy just means separate, separated, pure, dedicated, without sin. So, so the moment you come to believe in Christ... Who, who lived the perfect life, who died on the cross to pay for your sin, and it's all paid for, the Bible says you have his righteousness. You are made holy, and then you're becoming like who you already are. Let me give you some passages, not just take it from me, but the Father sees us as living the life Jesus lived, and he sees us as paying the penalty that Jesus paid for. It's all paid for. You're holy. So let me give you some passages. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, that's declared right, positionally perfect before the Father, by faith, you're forgiven, accepted, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access. So you need to be actually in being spirit, soul, body, holy to have access before a holy God. And, and this passage says you have that um, by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Paul said, if you, if you remember, if like moments ago, so you have to imagine in Corinth, you wouldn't have preachers like me breaking up the text every week and then you'd come back. They would have letters and they would just be reading it. So moments ago, we just read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, like the new has come. And then he says, later, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is our positional holiness. Right now, you could not be more perfect before the Father. And then we, by his Spirit, are being transformed into who we are. We become who we are, spiritually, morally, in our lives, like Jesus. We, so, so think about this. Holiness is important because it's the new you. It's someone, Jesus, who is now within you, forming you by his Spirit. Remember what Paul says in Galatians 3, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? No, we're we become like this. We, we're more devoted. We're more uh, attached to the love of God. We have a new spiritual life producing, a whole new fruit, a whole new moral character being formed within. That's no longer the old. It's, it's this. We're becoming holy. Now, that's important because of what Paul says in this passage. So as we pick things up, his point and his call for the separation between Christians and non-Christians is one that is spiritual and moral, not spatial and missional. It's like this is, this is who you are now and who are you becoming, and this is not, you, that doesn't collaborate with this old and, and what unbelievers are becoming without God in their lives. That's his whole point. So now with me, come look at the text and, and we'll see why holiness is important. So that's understanding it. It's got to get a framework for us. And, and then as we jump in, uh, you can look at it. By the way, he says in verse 16, you can look at it there. This is the, uh, 
the anchoring verse for us. It says, for we are the temple of the living God. Okay, just, just hold on to that. But look with me at verse 14. So, so why is holiness important? And this is where he's applying it to the church. And for us today, uh, he says this, do not be. So be is a verb. It's actively participate. Do not uh, enter in or assume. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Those who don't know love Jesus are pursuing him with their lives. The NASB reads, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Remember, think spiritual and moral, not spatial and missional. The NIRV says, do not be joined. Uh, another translation says, mismatched. So you, you kind of get the idea, but the, you know, we need to ask the question, what does that mean? Well, uh, to let you know, Paul is borrowing this language from a simple metaphor found in Deuteronomy 22, Leviticus 19, and, and the command wouldn't allow the yoking of an ox and a donkey. The idea being twofold. One, if a farmer were to yoke an ox and a donkey, uh, it would be harmful. It would be harmful to the animals. It wouldn't be great for the, the heart. It just wouldn't work. The heavy wooden yoke designed to harness the strength of the team would be askew. The animals are often different heights. They got different, you know, walking patterns, weights, different speeds. So the yoke, instead of harnessing the power of a team, would just rub and chafe both animals since the load would be, you know, distributed really unequally. And so here's an image I found, maybe to help you get, you know, I mean, they're pretty on the same height, but here's another one. This one's kind of funny. Yeah, you can see donkey. He's mad. They're, just, they're not working together. Okay. Um, Secondly, there's this mis, you know, like mating. They don't work together. You can't crossbreed these animals. It's, and these are the animals that they had to work with in, the, you know, the ancient world. And so God's word is always good. It's never oppressive. It's, it's he's the designer. He knew it. It's meant to be liberating. It's sufficient, profitable. And so you got to imagine now, put yourself in Corinth, and I'm going to help you a little bit. Um, it's a city full of spirituality, multiple temples, multiple pagan gods, historians. I found one a hundred years after this letter was written, uh, Pausanias. He mentions in his really difficult manuscripts that, that there are temples of Apollo, Aphrodite. He has 20 images in the open. These are 20 gods, six other temples of Greek gods, five precincts of the lords of the mysteries. Don't even know what that is. But if you go to 1 Corinthians 8, Paul, who was in Corinth, calls Corinth, a city of, quote, many gods and many lords. So what happens is you would walk around uh, Corinth, and there would have these pagan feasts at these different temples where you could just come and be invited. There were about 15 people or so. You'd be invited to come and eat and, and pray and give tribute and, and do any sacrificial things. A lot of the pagan worship had to do with uh, impurity, sexual immorality. It was really inappropriate dinners. Um, and so what Paul is addressing here is this, like namely professing Christians in Corinth were visiting these temple cults. They were just way too involved in the pagan society around them, morally, spiritually. So as we pull this into 2021, we need to ask, what are those for us? What, what extent are we to engage with the surrounding culture? You know, uh, we need to ask, like, in, in the shows, in the books, in the social media following, in the, you know, the video games, in the, in the places, in the activities, in the workout things that we do, 
where is this becoming unholy? You know, should a Christian shop at a store owned by a cult um, where other spiritualities and practices are, like, literally at the center of it, where staff are uh, called to participate in different chants and different things, is, is boycotting or standing up on social media, is that the right expression for the church to stand against immorality? Well, like, when do we post on Instagram, and when do we not? And can, can I date an unbeliever? Should I be in business with someone of a, another faith where they open up in prayer and and, you know, these are some of the many questions for which I think we, we can be too quick and overconfident in answering them, but th- these are some of the, we'll have more in our community group questions this week, but these are some of the things that Paul is going to help us out with in our text. So let's look at why this is important. Here's how he does it. He's going he's to give us five rhetorical questions. So look at with me at, at verse 14, again, part B, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness. Now notice with me the, the, like the relational language in the text. Partnership. Righteousness. So totally different identity. Different place before the Father. Who you are. Being forgiven. Belonging to God. Loving God. And loving what he loves. Is that compatible with living and acting and, and, and doing life designed not to follow God? So why is holiness important? Well, he says your identity has changed. You have, you have a new connection, belonging with him. You have a righteousness. Again, these are rhetorical questions. The answer is no. What fellowship has light with darkness? Came across uh, another quote from an 18th century, uh, Robert, Robert Murray McShane, and he says this, I am persuaded that God's happiness is inseparably linked in with his holiness. Holiness and happiness are like light and heat. Okay, remember we just said what fellowship has light with darkness. So, holiness and happiness are like light and heat. God never tasted one of the pleasures of sin. Christ has a body such as I have, yet never tasted one of the pleasures of sin the redeemed, though, no, the redeemed through all eternity will never taste one of the pleasures of sin, yet their happiness is complete. Every sin is something away from my greatest enjoyment. Boom. That sentence right there, when I read that, what fellowship has light with darkness? Let me read it again. Every sin is something away from my greatest enjoyment. Okay, write that down in the margins of your Every sin is something away from my greatest enjoyment. Do you believe that? He says, the devil strives night and day to make me forget this or disbelieve it. He says, why should you not enjoy this pleasure as much as Solomon or David? You may go to heaven also. I am persuaded this is a lie, that my true happiness is to go and sin no more. See, the key when it comes to uh, the purpose of holiness isn't to be thinking merely just, okay, don't do that, obey the rules. Uh, No, it's it's happiness with God. It's, It's relationally being separate. You are separate. 
You have a new devotion to. You are now loved by another. You have devoted in your heart and soul uh, this flourishing that happens when you're set apart for God. Everything else you do uh, with this body, heart, and mind, not in connection to Him, isn't, isn't holy. It's harmful. And it's sin He's paid for. Again, my true happiness is to go and sin no more. Now, when it comes uh, to relationships, which is where he's trying to help this church see there's a disconnect in how they're engaging in their pagan culture relationally. I think, you know, I wouldn't be a faithful preacher if I didn't talk about marriage. So, uh, let, me, let me just, you know, let me briefly touch on being unequally yoked in your dating life and marriage uh, and so, you know what, if, if uh, you got some young adults or teenagers who are, like, checking their Insta stories right now, I don't even know what that is, uh, just, you know, bring them over. Um, okay, places like 1 Corinthians 7 speak into this, but talking about marriage, go back to the, just the image, you know, of those animals not being designed to work together. Let me just explain a few things. If the main love and joy in a new believer and a new believer's life is following Jesus. That's your main now purpose and joy. The purpose and the purpose of marriage, according to Ephesians 5, is to display the gospel. That will not only be shared, but you would be doing the main purpose of being with him without the other. In, in a marriage you're with someone not following Jesus. They, they don't have that. Now, they might say to you while they're dating, uh, you know, I respect and I will respect your beliefs and I will support your faith. Um, and that, you know, that sounds helpful, but on the ground, in order to be more in sync with your spouse, and I've been in so many rooms, so many conversations, I can say this with a lot of authority, the Christian always finds themselves either pushing Christ out into the margins of their life to, to be more in sync. I mean, just think about, think about it, your devotional life, your, hospitality, your hospitality to believers, being in a community group, emergency hosting of people in need, missionary support, giving, you know, raising children, all of those on and on. Those are not shared. That's unequally, it, you're gonna, it's not going to work. This is what Paul's addressing here. From what you watch, what you do in the bedroom, the purpose behind those things will not be felt. In the words of one woman who was married to a perfectly nice man who did not share her faith, quote, if you think you are lonely before you get married, it's nothing compared to how lonely you can be after you are married. Now, I'm not saying this is... Um, I, I know some of us are watching and we're in that place and we've had conversations before, but I want to say God's word is, it's, it is living. It's, it's, it's meant to bring you life. It's not oppressive. It's true to what it speaks to. It's liberating. Additionally, let me say this. The more devoted you want to be to your first love, Jesus, the more the non-believing partner will have to be marginalized. Like the last person I talked to was just having such a hard time because um, they, they just, their, their unbelieving spouse just felt like they weren't important. They didn't matter. And it was just this constant, you don't get it. The oneness of marriage won't flourish when one spouse cannot fully participate in the person's most important allegiances. That's his point in some of what he's saying with, with how you apply this to relationships. Now, let me just say this. If 
if, if you have more questions and maybe you're in a relationship with an unbeliever, um, I would love to have a phone call with you or a Zoom. Um, I know it, everyone's experience will be different, will have different seasons to it. You're persevering different. So please don't hear me lobbying, you know, just these stuff at you. So, so Lord, just I pray that that would not uh, be taken wrong. But what accord has Christ with Belial? Um, that, that's another name with Satan. It's like, what can God and Satan have agreement on, harmony in? Um, Paul's really speaking to the demonic spirits that are behind these idols, which he talks about later in the passage, I mean, in the, in the letter. He says, what portion, so common spiritually and morally, uh, does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple of God with idols? You know, so, so it's like they're, they're going to community group, and then they're heading to the yoga class, fully participating in all the chants and, and uh, shaman experiences, and they're coming home, and they're reading the year of the witching while scrolling through the best, you know, best life advice from the Kardashians or Bieber or finding enjoyment in some sensuality and and, and, and maybe that's an exaggeration or maybe it's not. But as you navigate applying this, because my job is to just teach it, your job is to apply it. Let me ask, do you find yourself judging as gray what you would call black if you were with Christians or if Jesus was there? Like if Jesus came into that fitness room or if Jesus came into that, your, your Instagram feed and you were following him, <laughs> You know, just those questions, those are okay questions to ask. Listen to how Paul closes these five questions. His point is why holiness is so important. He's like, because we're the temple of the living God. You know, it's like what you bring in your body, in your eyes, in your mind, your heart, spiritually, will, you know, you're bringing to the very place God Almighty has moved in. He, it, your body belongs to him. Your body now has a higher purpose. It, 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 has, a, it has a greater peace. It's, its desires are to get closer and be more devoted to God. It has a new owner you're so deeply in love with, who's forgiven you, who's glad to be with you, who, you know. So why is holiness important? Because in holiness, we're closest to God. You know, we're most like him. We're most... We feel like what Edward said, the garden of beautiful flowers. He's pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see the Lord, as Jesus says. Okay, so what role do we have in this? What role do we, the, you know, you and me, the church, bringing holiness to completion? Well, uh, look with me at the second part of verse 16. He says, um, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, here's our role, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So the invitation of promise is you get to be, is your, you, you, you're his. You get a relational life as children of God. 
in the fullness of what that would look like. But, but it means, it means going. It, it, this word means exiting from out of the world, out of lawlessness, out of darkness, out of Satan, out of idols. It means we become separate, the second thing he says, since we are separate. And, and, and you make no physical contact with anything that pulls your soul and your heart and moral compass from the Father's words, the Father's, like, pleasure of you, the Father's loves, purposes for your life. In, in, in um, chapter 7, verse 1, he uses the phrase, let us cleanse. This is the idea of purge. <clears throat> I don't know, you know, if in the new year you just, you, you purge old things. It's this idea of of actually getting it out of the house. Since we have these promises, beloved, I love, I love in his mind, he goes, man, you're just, you're loved by God. It's like, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from just every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness, because it's happening. God is making you more holy. That's what he's doing. Uh, you know, I love the, the first quote, which, I, you know, I'll just quickly, if I can find it fast, where he says, of late, God has been pleased to keep my soul hungry. You are going to be holy. But, he, but we can bring it to completion. We can set the sails of our hearts, of our minds, of our bodies to be completion in the awe of God, the fear of God. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> And we're almost done. Let me ask you, when you exit the darkness, when, when you go out from the very stuff your new life craves, even though your old self wants it, what is different about you? Like when you live intentionally to cleanse yourself, to be more devoted to the pleasure of God, to know he loves you, to be and wanting to be with him, what is different about you? See, the motivation for holiness is a motivation to become like him who is holy. Let me show you some verses that are just are so important for us. And those who studied 1 Peter last semester, you'll, you'll love these ones. 1 Peter 1.16, he says this, as obedient children. He's like, just do not be conformed to the passions of your former. This is not who you are. Like you just, you're, that's the former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, separate, devoted, pure. You also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And in 1 John 3, 3, 3, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So let me ask the question again. When you purify, when you painfully remove yourself from whatever it is you know is unequally yoking you and the spirit will help you have a spirit in you he loves you but when you are when you are doing that when you when you are removing yourself from whatever is unequally yoking you what is different about you that version of you is going to feel like you in that garden of flowers and so let me, let me say this, if you have left, if you don't feel, now, I know we're all going through different stuff, so I got to be careful not to vaguely apply something, but if you have lost some of the serene, or you've lost some of the peace, 
ask yourself, where did I leave my peace? Like, where did I leave that calmness? Where did I leave? And more than likely, you'll find a different devotion happened, a different separate, you began to fear, you began to maybe want to move into this temptation. You begin, holiness is about a, a eyes fixed on Jesus. So if, you, if you've lost your serene, if you've lost your calmness, if you've lost that oneness and pureness with the Father, purify it. Like, this just, this is, we just got to do what the Scripture says, right? That's our job. We should do what the Bible says. Um, so, so when I ask the question, what is different about you, the answer is something beautiful. And, like, you have his spirit in you, and this is his promise. Um, th- this passage came to mind, I think, from the Lord, but in 1 Peter 4, it says this, Since therefore Jesus suffered in the flesh, that means he didn't do all the things that his flesh desired. So he said no. The Bible says, arm yourselves with this same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has, is finished with sin. Like finished in that, like, you know, I'm done with that. So as to live for the rest of the time in the body, flesh, no longer for what? Human passions, but for doing what God wants us to do. Do you see why holiness is like an invitation? It's like, you know, come, come with your mind, come arm yourself to think how Jesus did, to live intentionally new because you are new, to live, to do what God wants, avoid anything that comes between you and him, not for human passions, but for the will of God. And this is huge, especially since the scripture is written to a community. In community, and, and, and here's the interesting thing, and we'll see it way more next week, but how you live has an impact on the whole. You know, there is a connection. The letter to this church has the goal of holiness for the other, being separate for the other, being more loving and bringing more of Christ, joy, presence, peace, all of it. In holiness, you are more like Jesus to the other. And so as we begin this new year, I, I, just, oh, I just can't wait to be with you in person, but I want to plead with you to do this, to cleanse, to repent, Remembering being separate is about turning oneself loose to the fullness of God. Going and turning is turning oneself loose to the fullness of God and all that is good for us to invest our lives in. Like he just has so much life abundance. So holiness is about the abundant life. Holiness is, is turning to God for the things of his heart. And with unbelievers, it means you have to make decisions about, again, not about spatial and missional, but about what's coming in here. Because when we go out there, we should be bringing the presence of God, the holiness of God, the beauty of God, the salt and light. So holiness is a great pursuit. It's not easy, okay? There's many landmines to feel shame. You know, you're, you're gonna not, no one's perfect. We're gonna stumble you know, into the kingdom, and, and the enemy will try to throw out so much at you as you're pursuing, but it's worth it. Don't let him accuse you as you're pursuing being holy, being more devoted, more about God. It's wonderful. It's like a field or a garden of God with all manner of pleasant flowers. 
So I'm not going to ask you to stand as we normally do, but we, I do want you to respond. And so the band's going to come up, and as they begin to play, uh, I just I want to give you a moment where you are just to share with God, first, I want holiness to be sweet. Just tell him that. Give me your vision of holiness from my life. And then just thank him that you're new. You're a new creation. The old has passed. You are new. You're loved. You're devoted in. And within you is, is the living place that God is. He's a real person and he, his smile is over you. His joy is in you. And then just this year, make this a year of pursuing in relationship, in community, a life that is devoted to him, a life that is pure, a life that is holy. And as you go into this year, if the Lord convicted you of something while I was preaching and teaching, thank him for that. And then obey it. Obey it. Take that risk. Arm yourself with the same way. And it's going to cost your friends might say, hey, why aren't you coming with us? It's going to cost. Some of you, the books that you've, you plan to read that year might need to change. Maybe you're feeling some of that, the job that you're in. Has, has been gray for a long time. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you, but let the Holy Spirit do it. I promise you, you'll be happier. And so let me pray for you, and then we're going to sing, and I just commune with God. I, I don't know where you are and how you're watching this, but yeah. So, Father, would you now just come with grace? May you come now with your peace. May the power of your word be like honey. And may it just taste good, that painful good. Give us obedience. Life with you begins in obedience. Just help us to see its delight. Show us where we're not believing that we're loved. There's nothing to earn before the throne of God. Your smile is the same as it is today than it will be for eternity. Help us to just breathe that in. The love with which you loved Jesus may be in us. So just come, Holy Spirit, and minister as we sing. I pray that we wouldn't feel like, oh, you know, we'll just tune out now. What we, would we just stop and be with you? In Jesus' name.